Welcome back to Awaken Exchanges. I'm your host, Jay Rich, and you're listening to a very special episode. I've just returned from a month-long road trip, and we capped it off with a night at ECETI Ranch. That's E-C-E-T-I. It's a ranch near Mount Adams, Washington. I'm not going to spoil the ending here, but I will say that Chris, Sean, and I had a great night filled with good conversation and beautiful, clear skies. You'll have to listen to the rest of the podcast to hear more. And as you know, I'm always on the lookout for other interesting topics or guests, so please feel free to email me from our website or contact me on Twitter at Awaken Exchanges. I'll keep bringing you as many interesting episodes as I can through 2021 and beyond. So this episode is going to be a little different as it's a single episode and a fairly deep dive, but we still won't be able to cover everything. You may remember that ESETI was featured on the Great Awakening map, and it was included in our series on said map. You can hear a little about it in episode 30, the Ancient Aliens section, but this podcast will contain my first-hand experience at ESETI Ranch itself. We stayed on Friday, May 21st, and into the morning of the 22nd. It was an unforgettable experience, as was my conversation with James Gilliland himself. He may even come on the podcast someday to tell his family's story and that of the ranch. I'm not holding my breath by any means, but it would be a very interesting story to say the least. Now, before we get to the unidentified flying objects, here's a brief rundown of our sponsors. As always, I want to thank all of you personally for your support. Just listening and sharing this podcast with your friends gives me a reason to keep providing the best content that I can. If you have the means and would like to contribute personally, please take a look at our Patreon page where you will get access to exclusive content and deals. As for other sponsors, Awaken Vapes was the first of the Awaken brands and has been helping you modulate your high with CBD-only, high-terpene vape products since 2019. Genesis Farms has been making the highest quality medicinal RSO, among many other fantastic products, starting with the medical community back before 2010. And last, but definitely not least, the Caramel Corn Company, bringing you caramel corn the way it was meant to be. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube, or follow us wherever else you're listening. And if you can, leaving a review or comment on Apple Podcasts really does help spread the word. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. All right, now stay tuned and thank you for listening to Awakened Exchanges. Genesis Farms was founded on the belief in cannabis's ability to heal. Genesis Farms is more than a brand. They're a compassionate community of like-minded individuals that generate top-quality cannabis products made with love and care. Community outreach is always on their mind, and their partnerships with Grow for Vets and Parents for Pot was just a beginning to what they hope to accomplish in the coming years. You can find their products on the best dispensary shelves across the state of Oregon. Their RSO is the most consistent quality in the state. Their tinctures are second to none, and their personal massage oil will have you and your partner both coming back for more. Find them on Facebook and Instagram and ask for them in your local dispensary today. Don't forget to listen to Sean's interview here on Awakened Exchanges. It's episode number three. The Caramel Corn Company is bringing you caramel corn the way it was meant to be. Made with premium ingredients in small, handcrafted batches and completely gluten-free. 
The flavors include original, roasted cashew, salted almond, mixed nut, spicy sriracha, white morsel macadamia, peanut butter, butterscotch, and my personal favorites, chocolate drizzle and raspberry caramel apple. I can't say enough about how delicious this caramel corn is. It makes a great gift any time of the year. You can find them on sale in Portland area market of choice locations and online again here real soon. Visit caramelcorncompany.com for more information today. Remember, buying local supports small businesses and keeps your money building your community. And last but not least, Awaken Vapes has been bringing you some of the highest quality CBD vape cartridges since ringing in the new year in 2019. I became passionate about cannabis after a car wreck left me with major migraines and no prescribed pills helped alleviate any of the symptoms. Having only tried cannabis a handful of times in high school and college, it was a doctor's recommendation that led me to give cannabis another try. Only then did I realize that we'd all been at least a little misled about the health benefits of this amazing plant. Despite the unexpected break because of the vape ban and then a global health crisis, the business is stronger than ever and we invite you to check out our updated website today. We are still offering our three varieties with new improved terpene formulations and enhanced flavor to go along with the custom blended terpene effect profiles. Check back at awakenvapes.com for any updates. You can always email us about wholesaling or white labeling opportunities as well. Thank you for joining me on this special edition of Awakened Exchanges. I want to make sure up top that I remind people that I'll be reading parts of the ESETI website and FAQs during this podcast. The opinions they espouse are theirs and not mine. I'm reporting them as they are with only a few grammatical changes to clarify their meaning, as their website is in need of a little update. As for the first-hand accounts that I talk about later on, those are my opinion and my opinion only. So... Let's start by giving a brief history of ESETI Ranch. ESETI stands for Enlightened Contact with Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It's situated very close to the base of Mount Adams with a clear and amazing view of the same mountain that is a major part of UFO history. According to their About Us page, Kenneth Arnold, who coined the phrase flying saucers in his 1947 report, said that he lost sight of the luminous disks as they descended on the western slopes of Mount Adams. Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Greg Long, Bill Vogel, David Ackers, and many other investigators have documented a long history of UFO activity, covering events from contacts, sightings of metallic craft, and large luminous objects which are inquisitive, follow vehicles, and demonstrate themselves to be under intelligent control. There are large volumes of photos and literally hours of footage of ships hovering, taking off at breakneck speeds, making right-angle turns, throwing off tremendous energies, expanding to several times their original size, and responding to people below showing they are definitely under intelligent control. The evidence is showing beyond a shadow of a doubt that UFOs are real, and an ongoing contact is unfolding at the sanctuary. Now, while I can't state that this is 100% proof, this is Jay speaking here and not E. Seti, there does seem to be a preponderance of evidence that 
has been collected at the ranch over the years. And yes, I did confirm the Kenneth Arnold report, which said that he was curious about their speed. So he began to time their rate of passage, saying that they moved from Mount Rainier to Mount Adams, where they faded from view, a distance of about 50 miles in 1 minute and 42 seconds, according to the clock on his instrument panel. When he later had time to do the calculation, the speed was over 1,700 miles per hour, 2,700 kilometers an hour, which was about three times faster than any manned aircraft in 1947. Arnold's sighting was partly corroborated by a prospector named Fred Johnson, who was on Mount Adams at the time. He wrote AAF Intelligence that he saw six of the objects on June 24th at about the same time as Arnold, which he viewed through a small telescope. He said that they were round and tapered sharply to a point in the head and in an oval shape. He also noticed that the objects seemed to disturb his compass. An evaluation of the witness by AAF Intelligence found him to be credible. Certainly fascinating. Now, if you check the ESETI FAQs, you'll see the disclaimer that Due to religious programming, rumors, and gossip concerning ESETI, we felt it best to set the record straight. There's also a lot of jealousy, projections, shills, and planned opposition within the UFO-slash-spiritual community. This is interfering in people's right to access information outside of the controlled narrative, make their own personal connection with God-slash-creator-slash-great-spirit, and join the greater family of man-slash-woman throughout the universe. Contact comes with enlightenment. This leaves a lot to ask, so I'm going to let them answer some of the questions here. The first, do they believe in God? Their answer? There are over 5,000 gods worshipped to this day. There is the Jewish God, Christian God, Muslim God, Egyptian gods, Greek gods, Mayan gods, Indian gods, the Divine Feminine Gods, or Shekinah Energies, Gaia, Pachamama, House of Mary, Quan Yin, and so on. We believe all true enlightened masters taught of an all-encompassing, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent creator. The limited images of a bearded male god are based on interactions with ancient Lyrians, what are referred to in ancient tablets as Anunnaki, falls far short of what in truth is both beyond all images, yet consists of all images. It is best described as the one consciousness that encompasses all consciousness on all planes and dimensions throughout the multiverse. The unified field of consciousness and energy within which everything exists and is connected, it is the wellspring and origin of all that is. The path to this God-slash-creator-slash-great-spirit is within each individual, is the sole spark awaiting to ignite into the full flame. Please forgive some of the syntax as I continue to read some of this. Uh, it's what it is. I just didn't want to edit everything. Uh, I do think that uh, you'll still get the gist of it here. But it goes on to say, The prayer of the masters is, Beloved Father-slash-Mother God, let them become one as we have become one. All the aforementioned gods-slash-goddesses, deities, and more exist within this unified field of consciousness and energy in which all is connected in the present now moment. We choose how much of the consciousness and energy, quote, knowledge, within this 
field we wish to embody through expanded awareness. There are beings aware of and utilizing more of that field now and throughout history. Rather than worshiping an external image of God or gods, many of which represent positive, some negative attributes, it is more beneficial to make one's own personal God-slash-creator-slash-great-spirit connection within. The temple has always been within, as so with connection to eternal love, joy, and bliss. Love, acceptance, and approval so many seek in error externally can only be everlasting when found internally. It is no longer dependent on external people, places, and things. The ultimate power is love. It is the manifesting force and wellspring of all creation, the cosmic glue that holds all things together. It is like the sun, always giving. The real power comes from allowing love to flow through us and giving, empowering, not overpowering, assisting all life to reach its highest potential. The next question, what is the mission of Iseti? Our mission, first and foremost, is to empower the individual, assist people to make their own personal God-Creator-Great-Spirit connection to teach universal law and aid in the awakening and healing of humanity and the earth, body, mind, and spirit. We aim to create higher dimensional ambassadors to assist in the well-prophesized event of joining the greater family of man-slash-woman, referred to as spiritually and technologically advanced off-world visitors, our ancient ancestors known as the Star Nations. The retreat center has a 34-year history of service bringing cutting-edge healers, scientists, teachers, and researchers from around the world to share their knowledge and wisdom through conferences and workshops. James, the founder, has over 40 years of intense research and training in Eastern and Western traditions. He has studied with and been initiated by yogis, lamas, Native Americans, and Hawaiian elders. This includes the study of many process-oriented therapies to remove the wounds, traumas, and wrong conclusions from past experiences, inhibiting us from reaching our highest potential. His near-death experiences and years of practice add personal experience to what lies beyond the veil of physical existence. I'm going to go ahead and skip to the drug policy FAQ next, in which they state that we believe in taking a spiritual approach, no shortcuts without the necessity of drugs, plant medicine, or any other mind-altering substance. Some drugs and plant medicines are still illegal, which puts us in legal jeopardy. Others open the door to unseen negative influences used improperly and at times unruly psychotic behavior. Without proper training, many mind-altering substances open doors to other realms where one can have a very bad experience in worst-case scenarios. This creates disharmony and unnecessary burden on staff. Having a no-drug policy dispels the rumors of a bunch of delusional hippies on drugs disqualifying many of the healing and awakening experiences happening at Iseti. These rumors were started by others jealous of the ongoing activity and the authenticity in the field of ufology and spirituality, mainly by Dr. Greer at Contact in the Desert with full knowledge that we have a no-drug-and-alcohol policy. 
the fact that MUFON acknowledges 85 UFOs during ESETI's invitation for contact at Contact in the Desert, Joshua Tree, versus zero for Dr. Greer's C5 program may have also been the reason for such comments. This is not a competition, only a demonstration of the difference in frequency, procedure, and intent. It is through the heart, not the ego, one must remain humble, keep an open mind, loving heart, and pure intent to be successful in contacting higher dimensional beings. There are always lower dimensional beings waiting to prey upon those who, in ignorance, give their power away to others and open doors to malevolent beings that best be left closed. It is well documented that masters, UFOs, spiritually and technologically advanced off-world and other dimensional beings appear on a regular basis at ESETI. Many of the spontaneous healings also clearly demonstrate we are doing something right. Unfortunately, these higher frequencies also bring up old wounds, traumas, and wrong conclusions from past experiences, as any other major vortex or power center. This creates a golden opportunity to heal, yet some choose to project, blame other people or circumstances for what is coming up within. This can also be the source of rumors, especially when asked to leave due to choosing a downward spiral, being a constant disruption, and the lack of taking personal responsibility. In order to maintain the peace and frequency, tough decisions often have to be made. Jealousy, competition, and messiah complexes have no place with those who are authentic, dedicated to truth, and truly in service to others. I'm going to go ahead and interject here. It's within this FAQ that you can start to really see the divide between James and Dr. Stephen Greer. Dr. Greer, whom James seems to believe is working with the reptilians, if not one himself, well, it's an interesting comparison. And while I've always thought of Dr. Greer as a bit self-serving, I haven't met him in person to see if that opinion holds. I'll give my opinion on James later as I talk about our lengthy conversation around the campfire. The next FAQ asks, is there any evidence to back up claims of contact with UFO masters, spiritually and technologically advanced off-world and other dimensional beings? Their answer, there is a long history of UFO activity on Mount Adams, or Pateau, as its original name going back to Native American lore. Kenneth Arnold, a pilot who coined the phrase flying saucers in 1947, lost sight of the ships when they descended on the western slopes of Mount Adams. Dr. J. Allen Hynek and other researchers have well documented the activity. We have boxes of videos, pictures, testimonies of eyewitnesses with as many as 200 at a time in the field where ships of every size, shape, and color have flown over Yeseti. Some of these witnesses are triple PhD Boeing engineers, Lockheed engineers, Air Force base commanders, pilots, air traffic controllers, professional people from all walks of life. Many testified on various radio and television shows. Coast to Coast with Art Bell was just one of many shows. James was the first to do an intention experiment initiating contact with benevolent ETs on Coast to Coast, which was a spectacular success. We have had NASA investigate as well, yet due to the loss of jobs, pensions, etc., and the promise to be discreet, 
We cannot divulge the NASA scientists' names. These witnesses all said these objects were unknowns, exhibited technology far beyond any conventional or unconventional craft that they knew of, and morphing from one to four objects, making right-angle turns at several thousand miles an hour, moving a thousand times the speed of any satellite, they have been documented responding to and signaling back to people on the ground on a regular basis, all ongoing to this day. This is unprecedented evidence. James, Peter Slattery, and other remote viewers all gave the time, date, and location that ships would appear. The ships did appear, as in paranormal state, right on cue. Good Morning America, Evening Magazine, Hannity with Fox News, international TV and radio shows have all covered these ongoing contacts. Unfortunately, our greatest sensors are not mainstream. They are within the UFO community, those maintaining the controlled narrative. Now scientists and whistleblowers around the world with unprecedented credentials are acknowledging government around the world have had contact. I want to go ahead and jump in here for a second and remind people that we are literally a month away, literally one month from the day of this release, June 25th, that there's supposed to be UFO testimony in Congress. More and more evidence is coming out. More and more people are speaking up that we're having contact with these unknown craft on a daily basis in our military, and they don't know what they are. When the government actually acknowledged that the videos were real, what did America do? One giant collective shrug. Is that what's going to happen next month when they hear about all of this as well? I really don't know, but I have to say it's just a little mind-boggling to me that we're not paying a little bit more attention. Now, the last FAQ is a doozy. It asks, what about the rumors and gossip concerning ESETI? This is an interesting question and is answered in great detail. The answers are written by James, as you'll see as I get further into it. So keep that in mind. This is James answering that question. This next topic is one we would rather not address, but due to the epidemic nature of this behavior, it is appropriate. It needs a subsection to fully address this topic. We will try to address this with humor. It is said that rumors circle the world before truth has time to tie its shoes. These rumors are coming from the shills, planned opposition, posers, competitive and jealous researchers, and dark hearts within the spiritual and UFO community. There are three fingers pointing back to the ones participating in what some profess to be righteous, going against all the basics of what it means to be a decent human being. Those who are authentic are the ones receiving the most opposition from the posers. Those with ill intent and personal agendas desiring to make a name for themselves on the back of others. Those with the most notoriety often become the biggest targets. We feel there are three kinds of business. Your business, God's business, and other people's business. Other people's business is God's business. No one knows what another soul needs for completion. It is said that there are no perfect men or women, only perfect intentions. We will all make mistakes. None of us are infallible. Truth, especially in the field of ufology, our ancient origins and the nature of creator is a work in progress. Due to religious, academic, and political 
or social engineering, we have to sift through a myriad of lies, deceptions, mis- and disinformation. There are also the projections of others due to their beliefs and victim patterns. When doing our research, we focus on impeccable integrity, knowing truth is flexible. It changes as more information comes in. We do not prejudge or take sides, knowing the truth will surface and karma will have its way. We also realize what a distraction all the drama and chaos is to the awakening and healing process personally and collectively. Art Bell summed it up best when he said, What is with the UFO community? They eat their own. There's an old adage, What see I, am I? And on that note, we will address some of the nonsensical rumors flying around the community, not getting into the lives of others other than how they pertain to Isedi. On Coast to Coast, a disturbed woman came on for quite some time talking about how black helicopters descended on Isedi, men in camo repelled, drugged all the people, abused the children, blew up the buildings with the children in them, and then left any who were not killed to be swallowed up in a giant vortex that created a hole in the center of the Skywatch field. This, of course, never happened. We were surprised they allowed her to continue without a reality check. No one has died at Isedi in the past 34 years. No missing person reports other than one who they found later trapped in his car in the snow on the way to the ranch. He was alive due to eating gifted food he was bringing to Iseti, which turned out to be a wonderful story. No buildings were damaged or destroyed, no children abused, no one drugged, and no giant hole swallowed up the rest of the unsuspecting attendees at the conference. It was a feeble attempt to dissuade people from coming to the conference. We are constantly having to address this nonsense, so consider it addressed. Never happened. We have had people spreading these rumors only to do background checks, finding they were in satanic bands on Facebook bragging about blood rituals they just attended. Some have heavy drug addictions. The least case scenario, they were very wounded, imbalanced, angry people with hidden agendas. I could actually stop here as Jay and come in and talk about a lot of these things. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and just continue reading the rest of this FAQ to give you an idea of what has been said about them as well as how they address it. So the next part is the next rumor is that James is a pedophile and they have the evidence followed by James is gay and then followed by James is a womanizer. First of all, I have been very outspoken against the pedophilia and child trafficking, which has in turn created attacks by the pedophiles and child traffickers, some of which are within the UFO and spiritual community. The woman who professed to have the evidence had the wrong file with a different middle name of a man who lived in Seattle. Allegedly, his name was James Wilson Gilliland. He is of no relation, and my middle name is Alan. I have never lived in Seattle. I never got a retraction from several venues that spread this slanderous disinformation, despite the fact that I photocopied my driver's license, showing clearly I was not the person in the file. The only thing I did get is continuous sneers and judgments by people who believed the rumor. It is a classic case of what is happening in the political arena, accusing others of what you yourself have done or are doing. As far as being gay, 
I am a very happy, loving, heterosexual man, and neither condemn nor condone gays, to each his or her own, and I have no desire to explore the same sex. I also don't feel guilty about not having that desire and expressing it, even though it most likely will be seen as politically incorrect. I am, however, very proud of being politically incorrect, much to the chagrin of the PC community. With the full knowledge it is just another mind-control program, Humor and laughter lifts everyone's spirits, bringing them closer to Creator, which is, in its most unlimited understanding, pure, unconditional love, joy, and bliss. I have had relationships that did not work out, like everyone else, stayed in them far longer than I should have for healing to occur. I have always been honest, never abused physically or emotionally a spouse, or made any unfulfilled promises. In many cases, demands were made of me to leave Isetti and give up the mission rather than share in the mission. If I was to continue in the relationship, it meant a move from Isetti and become the projected image of what was their desire as well as take on all of their previous debts and burdens. This would only be enabling. The vortex and my frequency does seem to bring out the best and the worst in people. Things become amplified and mirrored. Very few can take personal responsibility for their attitudes and emotions, own them, and transcend what is being amplified and reflected back to them. It's a double-edged sword, a blessing and a curse. I spend the majority of my time alone, maintaining my spiritual connection in nature when possible. I actually made a t-shirt that says, I am not your father, your mother, or your ex-lover. I am just sitting here. Another rumor was about a woman who was going through a crisis, made some false accusations, and went public, only later to apologize and say I was a perfect gentleman. This was jumped on by a lawyer in the field of ufology and others who were thrown off the ranch due to violating the no-drug policy, theft, or refusal to process their own issues, projecting them on others. This is where most of the rumors come from. After forwarding the email of the woman involved, with permission, totally exonerating me, they continue to spread the rumors which fall under the category of defamation of character. Rather than getting caught up in the courts, I found it better to forgive and spend my time in a more positive direction. To top it off, now they want me to sponsor them, their work, their books, with no apology. I have been attacked by some very large, angry women at other conferences projecting their own victim patterns, raging at men due to these rumors. So let's end the pedophile gay womanizer nonsense. Spiritually advanced off-world visitors and masters do not choose to appear to people with ill intent and hidden agendas. Not sure about that last part, but let's just keep going on, shall we? One more thing I would like to add is that we need to stop airing our dirty laundry in public and picking up that dirty laundry for others to champion their cause. One believes they are a victim. The other believes they will gain either affection or notoriety by being the savior. It is the victim, persecutor, savior, hamster wheel. Time to get off the wheel and focus on bigger fish. Another rumor is that we sacrifice animals and worship the devil, who actually opened up a large hole in the driveway and told the local Baptist kids to leave. The sacrificing animals rumor came from seeing me in the field with my hands on my horse that was dying. A Native American elder was with me, and a vet. They said Shadow, my horse, was gone. It was just a matter of time. 
The next day, Shadow rose up and started walking around for two weeks as if nothing had happened. Praying and sending energy to a horse is a far cry from animal sacrifice. One kid actually wanted to see the tools I used to sacrifice animals, which was a bit disturbing. Two weeks later, Shadow was bowing to the sun, and I knew something was wrong. I walked up to her, and she bowed all the way to my feet, and then died. I was very upset, a bit pissed at Creator, saying to myself, After all the work I do, just one horse, that is all I ask for. I heard very clearly that I was being selfish. She was done, and her body was failing. She could not keep up with the other horses. The Native American elder came to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, Do they have horses in heaven? I do not know how this turned into animal sacrifice other than projection, the sowing seeds of division, false accusation, and judgment, all of which go directly against the teachings of Jesus. As far as worshiping the devil, again, we have been very outspoken concerning satanic and luciferian cults, their practices, especially when it concerns ritual abuse of children. This was not to go unrewarded by more rumors and accusations by the very same people participating in these decadent events. The music industry and Hollywood are replete with this behavior. The major productions concerning UFOs and ancient ancestors, again controlled narratives, have censored us because of this knowledge. I am edited out of major network shows also because I answer the questions they leave unanswered to keep the suspense going. They are not here to educate, they are here to entertain, often lacking any moral compass in doing so. When allowing Corey Good to speak at the Science, Spirit, and World Transformation Conference, I experienced the full brunt of the industry he left and their minions. If people only knew, and they will, the scope of and depth of satanic Luciferian influence, pedophilia, and other misguided people in the UFO and spiritual community, they would seek their information elsewhere. We, along with others who are authentic, are that elsewhere. Until then, I am just sitting here watching everything unfold and karma coming home to roost. A good friend once told me, there are two reasons why people take up arms against you. One, the posers hate those who are authentic, and two, we piss off their demons. I have to admit that last FAQ, which was long and uh, a bit rambling, left me wanting to know the specific rumors and events that started all of them. But I think hearing James's own words in response to those rumors give you some idea of the strange life of a ufologist and the depths that people will sink in order to tarnish people they don't agree with. This obviously goes to both sides, as I'm sure Dr. Greer and others have their side of the story as well. That said, let's get into the first-hand accounts of my visit at the ranch. I was accompanied by friends of the podcast, Sean Shumway and Chris Mumy. I had to bring witnesses in case I saw a real UFO, right? Well, here was my experience. The ranch itself is like nothing else I've ever seen. You pull in the driveway, past all the camping spots, and to a parking area. As you walk in, straight ahead you see the fire pit and can already hear excited guests talking about the night and possibilities. Then you head slightly left to the registration area and get yourself checked in. We chose to stay in one of the yurts, which all have wood-burning stoves. Stoves that work so well, Chris and I actually got uncomfortably warm during the night as we stoked it up pretty good before bed, assuming we'd all need it. After putting our stuff in the yurt, 
We stopped back by the fire pit and chatted with the guests for a while. There was a lot of cryptocurrency chat, as well as a few subjects that I associate with the QAnon movement, and even an anarchist that was pretty vocal about what he'd like to see happen over the next decade or so. After that, we decided to finish walking around the bulk of the property. The Skywatch area is populated with a bunch of camping chairs, set up in perpetuity and first come, first serve. The view of Mount Adams from those chairs, which you can see in my Instagram post as well as on the YouTube video, is literally second to none. I can totally understand why James wouldn't want to leave that property, even if there weren't UFOs buzzing around all the time. A little further down the path is the Galactic Medicine Wheel. That wheel is populated with shrines to the Ascended Masters, Pleiadians, Arcturans, and even Bigfoot, and more. Again, pictures will be shared of some of these, but not all. The last thing down that path is the Pleiadian Circle and its meditation bench, which I made use of before we started the rest of our night. The entire property had a very peaceful energy. As I mentioned, we stayed in one of the yurts, but they also have regular camping spots, tents that are already set up, an eagle's nest cabin, as well as other cabins, and meditation rooms. They even have a very colorful pyramid guest house with four rooms to book. We got there on the second weekend that the ranch had opened back up, and it was still a fairly slow night for guests. Let's get into a little more of the personal details, though. When we first checked in, James was actually sitting down next to the front desk. I recognized him right away, shook his hand, and introduced myself. We proceeded to have a good conversation about some recent footage he had shot at the ranch the week before. It definitely got me excited about the night to come. After a little conversation, he decided to share the most recent footage with us, telling us we were the first to see it, as their limited internet was causing problems with their uploading the content at the moment. When we saw the file, which I cannot attest to actually being filmed there or unedited, but those were both claims being made, we saw an elongated, cigar-shaped craft that appeared to somehow be towing not one, but two other circular UFOs in its wake. It almost looked as if there was a black line or beam connecting all three ships. I have to admit that I want to believe, and I was fascinating, even more so when other circular ships started darting in and out of the screen, almost seeming to buzz the larger cigar-shaped craft. James and the three of us all talked excitedly about the possibility of that mothership coming back. My imagination was racing for sure. Before we started the Skywatch portion of the night, we spent a good amount of time around the fire pit, talking with other guests and waiting for the sun to go down. And that's where I had my longest conversation with James. This was probably the highlight of the camping trip for me as I got to really assess James and his commitment to Iseti and its cause. I want to start off by saying that he seemed very genuine and open with me. When he talked about his personal experiences of him and his family, as well as our long history of activity, I felt genuinely taken in. You could definitely tell the differences between those moments and the ones where he slipped into QAnon territory, espousing a few conspiracy theories, most of which I'd heard before, but not in such detail. You could also tell his dislike for Dr. Greer, which comes through in those FAQs as well. He also shed a different light on Corey Good, talking about how much trauma the survivors of the 20 and back program had to deal with, seeing what they saw and having their minds wiped. And while I would still need some evidence of that, I did want to take a softer stance on Corey and his seeming gaps in memory. Who knows what we actually don't know about the secret space program? I certainly don't have any experience with it. 
James and I talked for over an hour before a couple of other people made their way closer to the conversation, trying to get his time and energy. We left it on a handshake and him taking my business card for the podcast. He said he would consider the possibility of coming on here and telling his family's story in his own words. Either way, his plans for a movie were fascinating as well. I think we'll hear more from James in the next couple of episodes, but I'm not going to hold my breath. As for the Skywatch itself, visibility for the night was simply stunning. But with such clear skies and almost zero light pollution, it was amazing to discover that we could still pretty much fully see everything around us just from the illumination of the half moon. You definitely didn't need a flashlight to walk around the camp. As you can see in a couple of my 10 second exposure photos that I took of the mountain itself, it looks nearly daylight. Not to mention extremely crisp and clear, just in case you were wondering how steady my hands are for that video that I'm going to share later. I was a photographer after all. The three of us sat in the front row, but I couldn't help but listen to the conversations going on behind me. I even fell back into reporter mode at one point, remembering that we all signed agreements acknowledging that everything was being recorded. I opened my voice recorder app and began recording some of the conversations going on behind me. There was a lot of conspiracy talk, as well as what sounded like blustering about aliens. Every once in a while, you'd see a green laser pointer flashed into the sky, pronouncing, Did you see that power up? It was right there. Keep looking. It might happen again. While I never witnessed anything like that myself, a power-up is their phrase for a ship quickly blinking into and sometimes back out of existence. Honestly, it felt a bit like a hype man trying to get people excited. No judgments here. I know that everyone does want to see what they want to see. And everyone who's going to this ranch probably wants to believe, if nothing else. So, did we have any personal sightings? Well, if you're watching the YouTube video, you can stay to the end and hear my genuine excitement as I'm filming what I believe to be a UFO. The people behind me were excitedly convinced that this object had just made a right angle turn, and while I did film that large, bright, circular object blinking and moving across the sky as I braced my arms and steadied my camera, I wasn't really sure what I was seeing. Then as I filmed it, I realized it made no sudden changes in direction. Just a fairly steady movement across the sky. That's when I decided to use my Night Sky app to find out we were just following a Starlink satellite as it traversed the sky. I have to admit, I was pretty bummed out. We saw a number of other smaller satellites in the night sky, but that was sadly all. I do hope to go back next month on the new moon to see if maybe a darker sky might illuminate some other objects, but I'm not holding my breath on that just yet either. I know that I want to believe, therefore I have to temper my own excitement with critical thinking and personal observations. That's why I can't just say that I believe every video that comes out from Iseti, even if I do have a personal fondness for James and the crew there. I don't get the feeling that they're trying to actively deceive anyone, but I do think that the UFO community as a whole has a lot of infighting issues that have been holding back real study for far too long. I think that's about all I have for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed our semi-deep dive and my own personal experiences at one of the Great Awakening Maps' most popular public sites. Thank you again, and I hope you join us again next week.
you again for listening to this special episode on ESETI and my firsthand experience there. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you're looking forward to other deep dives in the future. I want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners. You are the reason I'm doing this. Please tell your friends about us, follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, or wherever else you're listening. And if you can, please leave us a comment or five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really will help with visibility. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. Thanks again. Have a blessed day.